What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Blimey! And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for, for the, the fans. fans. That's you guys. you guys. By the fans. That is us! All right. Paul bringing, <laughs> Paul bringing the heat or something. As always, intro and outro music is provided by... Park in Maine. Park in Maine. I was going to say oceans over airplanes. Parkinmainband.com. Give us a follow or hit us up on Twitter. At so says Jay. And Paul's at Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And we are available on Stitcher. Oh, Jesus. iTunes. <laughs> Brightsideofthesun.com and all podcasting platforms. And don't forget to rate, review, and sub- subscribe. All right. Yes. Okay. Subscribe. Well, that was our excitement for the evening. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's, let's talk about <laughs> Jesus. What? I'm sorry. That just died. That was too much for me. Um, I live a very simple life. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, let's let's talk about the Phoenix. What Suns, happens when you record we? late at night? <laughs> exactly. Um, we talked about this a bit last episode. Obviously, Kelly Oubre out with the uh, torn meniscus. Had surgery. Had surgery. Arthroscopic. Will but... be reevaluated a month, which means in a month we'll find out mm-hmm. he's not going to play till next season. I assume, which is fine by me. Yep. But. That Sad obviously that created a void in the Suns' starting lineup. Now, in the three games that Ubre's been out, we've Hold. seen. I just got a question, real quick, okay. before we get too far down to that. Do you think we'll ever get any information about when and how Ubre actually got injured? Because, like, the game leading up to that, he came out with the rest of the starters mm-hmm. when the game was over. It wasn't like he was acting like he was in pain or anything. And then two days later, it's like, oh, Uber's out with knee something or other. And then like two more days later, oh, it's a torn meniscus. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say no, and here's why. My HIPAA. Well, <laughs> sure, but my feeling is that it probably is something that they can't really pinpoint an actual. This is when it happened. Mm. Um, yeah, I wonder if it was something that just like was progressive and like he was like playing through the pain and it just kind of got too bad, like maybe overnight or something. Ex- exactly. I mean, and we were having this conversation, you, me and Dan, when it was announced that he was hurt. And I think you had brought up, well, maybe they were practicing the day after the game and it happened, but apparently they didn't practice on that off day. Yeah. Um, so doesn't mean he didn't do any some other type of training right, that right, possibly right. Like, um, but I, I I suspect that it was more of a wear and tear thing. I I saw also um, Flex from Jersey on Twitter. Uh, he had mentioned that the and I guess a doctor could also verify this. Maybe Doctor Google, but based on the fact that you know it was scoped and they're going to reevaluate in a month that would tend to indicate that it's not like a full tear where a full repair had to be done. Right. Uh, so it could have been... It's not an Eric Bledsoe situation. Right. So it, it very well could have been a situation where, yeah, it was just building up, there was fraying, 
and it got to a point where they had to go in and clean it up, clean it up, or risk further damage. And, yeah, and and more recovery time, um, more more serious damage. Something that could actually affect him long term, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. It could have, it could have been like a situation where you're getting some some fray, little bit of fraying that could lead to a tear. Where so it's like, okay, it, it's better to go in there, clean that up, smooth it out before it becomes a more huge sig- issue. More significant. Exactly. So good enough. Good enough. Look at that. We're giving medical advice tonight. I love it. I love it. Okay. Good job, Dr. J. <laughs> now, as I was saying, that created a void in the oh-so-efficient starting lineup that the Suns uh, have, have been running out there of Rubio, Book, McHale, Kelly, and DeAndre. Um, in the three games that the Suns have played since Kelly went down with the injury, Dario has, has filled in that four spot. Well, and, he was supposed to be, he was the starter to start right, the season. I right. mean, that was the intention when he was signed. Right. And, and he's, he's done, he's done a good Admirable. job. I mean, yeah, exactly. In the Pistons game, Dario was, played 27 minutes, 11 points on five for nine shooting one for one from deep three rebounds, a couple of assists in the Warriors game. Dario had, again, 11 points, four for eight shooting, missed both of his threes, added nine rebounds, three assists, and a block. And in the Raptors game, Dario came out like gangbusters in the first quarter. Yeah. He had, I think, 13 in the first quarter, which was his, if I'm not mistaken, career high in a quarter ever. Um, Finished with 16, only ended up with 23 minutes, which is something I was a little confused about but cam was playing really well that game too which probably could be indicative of why Saric only played those 23 minutes um it was six for eight from the field two for three from deep chipped in three rebounds two assists as well so he's done what you know you kind of expect from from a dario Saric type player you know he's put up good enough numbers and and hasn't stood out in any sort of glaring way you know right we kind of talk about how he's very important to the team but you don't really see the importance because it's not like he's a stat sheet stuffer right but he's done what in that starting role when you're surrounded by a guy like booker a guy like ayton you kind of expect him to do and and a and a he's continuing a to improve mikhail bridges he's a role player and like the skill set he has is <laughs> very much a you know it's well-rounded but it's not flashy and you know defense isn't really his strong suit but like he from an offensive perspective perspective i mean he get, he get he's a good passer he's a pretty he's a pretty solid rebounder for his size i mean he's no i mean he's no Sean Marion but right. few are and fair. robert covington is not fair <laughs> um <laughs> that's another callback to simmons Okay. Well, I don't listen to Ben Simmons. So Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. I don't listen to Ben Simmons either. Do you know, or Bill. Did you know Bill Simmons' son is named Ben Simmons? Is it really? Yeah. Is it really? I just yes. called this kid an it. That, um, that that I apologize for. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah, but anywho, my um, life is a little more complete. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Dario signing when he came in. I thought he's been productive this season. I, I've always I felt he's his playing time has been yanked around a little more than he probably deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I understand that Monty was trying to figure out like, okay, who, 
who's the guys I can go to war with. I don't know if Monty truly appreciates what Dario brings to the court. But at the same time, when you look at like some of the statistics, like, I mean, he's a, he's a minus player. So, I mean, what he, maybe it's just a situation of what he's bringing with the guys who are on the court doesn't work quite right. And that was part of the problem is figuring out the, who to fit him with. Right. Well, and I think that's, that's, that's an interesting point to bring up and, and we're straying away from what I wanted to ask, but we'll get into that. But you look at how the season has progressed and we've talked about the injuries. We've talked about Sarge missing time. We've talked about eight missing time. Obviously we've talked about Baines missing time. Um, <coughs> and we've talked about, you know, Cam has missed some time. Ty, uh, Ty Jerome, smaller role in terms of playing with the team, but he's missed time. One thing that I think has probably been, and, and I think based on sometimes the numbers we're seeing in terms of minutes uh, would evidence this, I think one thing that's probably been a bit of a battle for Monty is figuring out those rotations, you know? Right. When you have guys that are constantly shifting in and out, I can definitely see how it's hard to really nail down where guys fit best, particularly when you're looking at you know a team that is as we've discussed dating all the way back to the beginning of the season, pretty much a completely brand new team from last year and a coach who didn't coach last year and hasn't coached in the NBA in a few years. Head coach. Uh, um, Head coach. Yeah. Uh, But, but, you know, nonetheless, it's, it's just another thing that's kind of crept up and (coughs) and is out there as a challenge that the Suns have faced this year uh, amongst a number of other things. Now to the question I was going to (laughs) ask, Again, Dario has moved into that starting spot like he was earlier in the year, but should he be? Uh, you look at you look at the starting unit that the Suns have been running out most recently before Kelly got injured. Of again, Booker, Rubio, Kelly, DeAndre, and McHale, and we know that that complement of players, that complement of skills, led to one of the, if not the most efficient best-performing starting lineup in the NBA for the time that they were together. Would a guy like Cam Johnson slide into that starting lineup and fit better than Dario Sarge? Well, and, and the reason I ask that is because, you know, I get the idea <laughs> you want to kind of balance scoring. Cam's a great shooter, has started to show the ability to score in different ways as well. But at the same time, I think that this team, it's, it's, and I say this, even though they've had first half 17 point leads in both the last two games and lost, but I think it's important for a team like the Suns, especially at how thin they are at the bench to kind of put their best foot forward coming out of the gates. And to that end, just looking at the five man rotations that the Suns have used this year, looking at this off of basketballreference.com, that starting lineup that we all love their net rating per 100 possessions is a plus 18.6. Now you take uh, Kelly out of that and you put Dario in, that group's net rating in a smaller sample size is per 100 is 2.1. Still positive, positive. but much lower. Now you take Kelly out and you put Cam in, and that five-man rotation, that five-man group... Their net rating per 100 possessions this year 
again, smaller sample size, has been plus 18.3. Okay. Which is right in line with the starting lineup that we all love. Right. And I'll just call the starting lineup we all love so I don't rattle off everyone. How about the Ubre starting lineup? Sure. So that made me think, well, should we be starting Cam? Should the Suns be starting Cam as opposed to Dario? And how would that impact what happens with the bench, with rotations, etc.? Well, to that point, Cam's game is, you know, he's a, he's a shooter. He's a spot. He's, for the most part, a spot-up shooter. And when you have spot-up shooters need solid distributors to get them the ball when they're in the right spots. Our bench does not have that right now. So, but the starting unit really does between Booker and... Um, Rubio, obviously, and McHale and Aiton are both underrated passers. So, you know, you put a, you put Cam into that lineup. You know, he be you know you already have Aiton and Booker are threats that the d- defense has to pay attention to. So he's going to have space, and you have guys who can get him the ball. I mean, he's actually probably at a disservice being on the bench just because of the the makeup of the rest of the bench doesn't facilitate him maximizing his potential. Right. And, and I think you, to build on that point, look at what he did in that, in that, uh, the Raptors game. Uh, and when I say he, I mean, cam, of course, you know, he had a career high in points, uh, scoring, um, 24, I believe it was. And I'm just trying to pull it up really quickly here. Uh, 21. He had 21 points, 7 for 16 overall, 5 for 13 from three-point range, chipped in four rebounds, a couple assists, a steal, and three blocks. Three blocks. Cam Johnson, hello. Hello, Cameron. Did you only say one steal? He had two steals. According to ESPN, he had one. But According to the Suns, he had two. Well, I'll go with the Suns. So, but he played 33 minutes to Dario's 23. So I don't think that's... The, the 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 performance he had playing 33 minutes i don't think is you know just a a, ha- a circumstance a happenstance right he obviously logged a lot of minutes with those starters and and took advantage of that which again goes back to my original question of should he be the one that's starting and and i'm thinking out loud and kind of answering my own question maybe but i guess at the end of the day if he's getting quote unquote starter minutes doesn't matter well, I mean, at the so I think what this really comes down to is if that happens, you, you basically like the Suns are throwing in the towel in the season. If Cam Johnson starts, y- yes, it, to the, to the extent of okay, what we want to prioritize now is we want to prioritize getting guys experience. Well, he's already playing. I mean, using again using the. Raptors game, he played ten more minutes than right. Sorry, yes, but I mean, you know, just yeah, if we get wins are wins would essentially be a bonus in in effect. I but, mean, but I mean, I guess are are you saying that the the Suns the the starting lineup of having Sarich as opposed to Cam? is more likely to produce wins. No, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not just trying saying to follow that. you. Go ahead. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that putting Cam in that position at, to fill that starting role, I just feel like 
there's a level of I mean there's a level of it trying to put the best lineup possible on the floor, but you're also taking away one of the few scorers on that bench. So you're, you know, promoting one thing to sacrifice the other when we don't really have anything else on that bench. And and I get that, and here's my thought process on that. I think Dario has more of a rounded game than Cam Johnson right now. Yes. You know, he can while he's not as good of a shooter as Cam Johnson, you have to respect his ability to shoot the three. Yeah. He hit two for three uh, against Toronto most recently. He has the ability to post up. And like you said, he's a, he's a good passer. So does that type of versatility actually benefit suit the, the, the bench unit better? And I, see, I use bench unit. We look at the Toronto game, they ran eight mm. guys out there. So it's not really a bench unit per se. Right. Uh, now, I, I don't think that'll be the norm. Um, you had mentioned that Monty said in the Toronto game it was Baines didn't play mostly because of the pace of the game, which makes mm. sense. Yeah, um, I mean, if, if Gasol and Ibaka were playing, he'd probably be logging minutes just because they need bodies. Um, but to, to speak to our bench unit, and this will probably go to a little bit to our later topic as well, our bench unit is horribly constructed. Our bench is horribly constructed. I we don't have a backup shooting guard on our team. Period. There is not a guy on our team who is classified as a shooting guard outside of Devin Booker. Well, ESPN has tied Jerome listed as a shooting guard. He is not. A shooting I agree guard. with you. I'm just saying. <laughs> we have three point guards, a power forward, and a center. Well, when you look and, at it, and Cam Johnson, who is arguably in this in this league of power forward if you if you look at it though if, if we're in a world where kelly's not hurt yeah the lack of a quote-unquote two on the bench doesn't really matter because you have guys that you know booker obviously you mikhail can play at the two kelly can play at the two even so you have wings you, you have, have wings. wings yes but what What's also missing on the bench, and again, this will go to our, our later conversation a little bit more, is we don't have we don't have our Isaiah Thomas, Jamal Crawford, Jamal Crawford, that guy who Orlando Barbosa, Lou Williams, a, a Lou Williams, yeah, exactly, a guy who's job who who's the spark club, a uh, Manu Ginobili. That guy who's like we just have a bunch of role players. A young Goran Dragic. A young Goran Dragic. Yes, we don't have that guy who can get the who can be the he's the microwave scorer who's supposed to come off the bench and he's the one who's going to carry that bench unit. Like we just don't have that guy. And maybe to that point, that's good reason to keep Cam on the bench because let's look at it like this: Ubre's out. We mm-hmm. don't expect him to play this year, but we expect him back next year. Yes. I don't see any reason, depending on what they do during the offseason, I, I don't see any reason why you would want to change that starting lineup. You know? I mean, mm-hmm. it's as good as yeah. it's been. And while Cam right now plays mostly as a spot-up shooter, we've seen flashes. I mean, let's think about the dunk against, who was that, the Lakers? Yeah. And tonight, he faked a three, pumped, got his guy up, went in and dunked it. He's starting to show flashes of maybe being a better all-around scorer, you know, being able to score from different places outside right. of beyond the arc. And maybe it's a matter of, okay, next season, 
They want Cam to continue to kind of develop that game. He's not going to slide into the starting lineup next year once Ubre is back. And right. ultimately, you want him comfortable coming off the bench, and you're going to continue to have him log those minutes off the bench, even if they end up being starter minutes, quote unquote, but coming from you know a, a, a bench position. Right, but again, back to my earlier point, without having a true distributor on that bench, are you really maximizing Cam's growth? Because, you know, his, his game as the type of shooter he is is very predicated on guys, you know, being able to set screens, being able to get him, um, pass him the ball with space in rhythm so he can get those shots. Right now, Ty Jerome, Jer- Javon Carter, and Elliot Kobo are not that guy. Yeah, but I don't think there is a time, and I, I, I'd have to go back and look at the Raptors game again, look at recent games again, but I would venture to guess there wasn't a time where Cam was on the floor and wasn't also there with a, a, a Rubio or a Booker or an Aiton who can pass him out of the post, you know? Just because we're looking at, you know, the quote-unquote bench unit, it's not hockey where we have, you know, hockey line Full changes. Full-on line changes, yeah. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how it develops for the rest of the year. If I, I wouldn't hate to, like I said, exp- like... Okay, to to the point of okay, you're giving up on not that you're giving up on the season, but moving Cam into the starting lineup is a risk. It's an experiment by by choosing to do and conduct an experiment. You're willing to sacrifice potential. You know, I got you. I got you because you don't know what's going to happen. No, I, I see what you're saying, and, and ultimately, if he stays on the bench, so be it. If he gets some time at the starting position, so be it. But one thing that I said a few weeks back when we were talking about what we want to see from the Suns for the rest of the year, Mm -hmm. I said Cam Johnson more minutes. Yeah. So as long as he gets more minutes, whether it's starting or playing significant minutes off the bench, more significant than he's played, you know, on average throughout the year, then I'm all for it because... Again, that draft pick got lambasted, but I'm liking it more and more every day. I yeah. mean, God damn, that kid can shoot. Like, he can shoot. Yeah, he can. And, and, and if he continues to develop, I mean, you have to respect his three so much. Again, we saw it in the, in the Toronto game. He gets a pump, and he gets his guy off his feet, and he has the ability to take the ball to the hole. That's going to open up a world of opportunity, not only for him, but for other, other players. Because I think right. if, if, if a defender then has to crash and try to cover him, then that leaves somebody else open. And it's just a matter of Cam Johnson's development at that point. And on that note, let's uh, take a break. And after this break, we'll dive into what to do about that bench unit. Because we know most, if not all of them, well, not all of them, but most of them, in all likelihood, will not be back next season. So let's look ahead a little bit, perhaps a little bit too far. They always, you know, how at the end, after right after the Super Bowl, ESPN or SI or whoever will come out with like the way too early preseason power rankings. You know, for the following season, this is like our way too early free agency debate discussion because, yeah. well, the season's not done. I don't think we even officially know what the cap is going to be next year. I think. I don't know if we officially they know. Said but they said they projected it's going to be lower than they thought it would be to, I think, 115, but it's not official yet. So far, far, far too early. Options out there haven't been exercised, yada, yada, yada. But we'll, we'll, we'll work with what we got. Yeah. Um, because I think that it's 
fairly well expected and perhaps recognized that certain guys who are getting significant minutes, uh, at least to some degree, on this team this year will not be back next year. Yeah. Like we said, was it this episode or last episode, you know, Dario, Baines, and Kaminsky all come to mind uh, in that regard. Yeah, I think I think we only have what seven guys that are like under contract for next season. Eight, I think. I just remember Frank, but that's a team option, so they could let him go if they wanted to. Mm. We always forget about Frank. I wonder if we're going to see him again this season. I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, they may. Honestly, I miss Frank because like he was like when he 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 provided some of that. Spacing and scoring that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and and he's a body to yeah, to fill, exactly. fill some minutes Granted, too. He's another big body. Um, and then when we went small in the starting lineup, that made the uh, bench unit extra big. Or if he if he played <coughs> extra small on one side, extra big on the other right, side. Right, right. No, and nothing in the middle shall meet. <laughs> we have we have nine guys under contract for next year, according to. Hoops hype. Well, yeah. I'm, well, okay. So, I mean, there's obviously, there's, see, let's see if I can name them. So, yeah, obviously, Rubio, Booker, uh, Ubre, Bridges, Aiton. Obvious. Good job. Uh, obvious. Uh, Jerome Johnson. Mm hmm. A Kobo, technically, I think we have an option on him. Uh, Does he count or he's, no? He's not an option next year. Okay. He has an option 21 okay. 22, okay, so but Frank, I think he's not guaranteed. He's not guaranteed, yeah. Um, Frank, or are you not counting not him? Counting him. Not counting him. Because Car- Carter's a free agent. You've gotten everybody but one. Wait, I, I only have seven. Who, who did you count that I... You said Booker, Rubio, yeah. Oubre. Did you say Oubre? Yeah. Yeah, the starting Aiton, lineup. yep. Bridges, <laughs> Cam. Ty. Ty. Okobo. Okobo. Okay. See, I wasn't sure if you truly counted Okobo. Okay. Um, Shaq? Nope. Nope. Come on, Paul. The man who gravity forgot. Jalen LeCue. Oh. Yeah, I... Duh. <laughs> 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 the man who Paul forgot is, well, is what yeah, I'll call him Yeah, he's not now. on the team right, right now. <laughs> right. So, but anyway, at any rate, those, those are who we have under contract for next year. At least they have contracts, whether or not they'll still be under contract because, again, like guy like Ellie, who can be waived without there being any cap ramifications, right, exactly. uh, may or may not be here. Um, but but the, primary, the rookies are going to be here. The like, rookie, right, right. The Q is a project. They're investing the time in him. Mm-hmm. That's 100% the purpose of his contract. Right. Jerome, I think, Jer- Cam has solidified a spot in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And Jerome has, you know, potential. Yeah, you got to give, I mean, you got to give, you got to give, give, give him time. Yeah. I mean, you've given Okobo as much time as you have. You got to give Jerome the time. Yeah. Um, so really what we're looking at is here, here's what it boils down to. I mean, we're still, again, not 100% certain about how much cap space the Suns will have, depending on where the cap ends up, depending on who remains with the team and does not remain with the team. But what I've seen uh, online, at least, it's funny how all the different sites that kind of track contracts, they seem to all come up with a different number mm-hmm. in terms of what the Suns might have cap-wise. But we're looking at anywhere from... Low, 
low twenties. I'll be, I'll be, um, uh, right. I'll be conservative in the estimate there up and up to, you know, around $30 million. Right. Call it $25 million, um, is what the Suns could ultimately end up having, uh, this year. So they'll obviously have some spots to fill and that, that takes into account the fact that we're going to have a first round draft pick who's going to be on a contract. Right. So what do we do? Where do we go? Well, what names pop up? I mentioned Christian Wood a couple episodes ago. Yes. I'll mention him again if I have to because I really like Christian Wood. I didn't make that clear. I think if you didn't know Christian Wood before last Friday, Saturday, whatever day that was, when the Suns played the Pistons, perhaps you do now because he played really well against the Suns and did the things that I think he could bring to this team. But let me let me direct the question to you because... I have I, I've had an opportunity at least to talk about Christian Wood before. Yes. So Paul, why don't you why don't you let me know who you'd be looking at, you know, target wise. Let's say let's say you, you can have two guys out of the free agent crop that we're we're looking at right now, or three guys, just kind of like your top targets and realistically, you know, I mean mm-hmm. a name like Fred Van Vliet can get thrown out there, but I don't see the Suns. That's 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 a whole nother type of conversation of are we, how drastic are the moves we're looking to make? Because um, like like a Fred Van Vliet or like a Danilo Gallinari, those are like that's pushing chips into the middle, which probably means somebody who's already in our starting lineup needs to be moved. I don't want to move our starting lineup. I love our starting lineup. Amen. You know, assuming they're all healthy, they play really fucking well together. Amen. And. I know people were like people look at like Ubre as a potential like piece to move because he's got value, e- even with the meniscus surgery. You know, it's, it's expected he's going to come back at full strength. It's a relatively minor surgery, um, and but he's also only got one more year left on his deal. Right. So you know, that's a piece you could potentially move in like a bigger trade. There's arguments of like you know. Rubio's game is limited to an extent, um, you know, particularly on the shooting side. So if you can move him for like a more dynamic point guard, would you want to do that? You know, I, I can Booker and Aiden are clearly untouchable. I contend Mikhail is really getting there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like, he's like a super role player in our system, mm-hmm. but, but he's, he's shown more growth this year than he's shown in any. Oh before. yeah. Oh yeah. And, and that's, encouraging would be an understatement right so from my my standpoint is those got those five are barring some barring somebody coming to the suns and saying hey we want or like this player x says he wants to play for the suns and he's way better than either rubio or Ubre, and that's what we have to give up to get them so be it so be it i'm sticking with those guys we got the two rookie we got the two rookies who are actually in the rotation and they'll be in the rotation next year. I'm, I really, as we were earlier talking about, really like what I'm starting to see from Cam. Jerome has a ways to go, I think. So I could see upgrading, you know, keep maybe keeping Jerome as that third string, giving him a little bit more time to develop. Hey, maybe even the cube makes a huge leap this summer. And right. he's the one who becomes, he, maybe he's that dynamic scorer we're looking for. Right. But, um, we need a shooting. We need a shooting guard. We need a power forward. We need a center. Assuming everybody else is gone, or maybe Cam can play the power forward. So we need a shooting guard, a wing. We definitely need a shooting guard, and we need a center. That's those are my two like 
guys we kind of need. Um, you brought up before we were offline Jordan Clarkson. I'm actually kind of rather intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. I think he could be a, a fun guy uh, on our team. Um, another another name that kind of popped up, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. He's he's very overpaid right now on the on the Mavericks. Um, but he's going to be a free agent this year, and he might be able to be a guy who like he's underperformed his his pay because the Knicks paid him. And um, I think he's a player option though. Um, this is true. He does have player and option. He's not opting out of eighteen million dollars. No. C. Tyler Johnson. True. <laughs> true. Anyway, uh, Joe Harris is another name that's out there. Like he's that de- he's kind of in the mold of uh, Cam, just kind of at the shooting guard role. That would actually be kind of fun to have those two guys being able to interchange them with the starters and just like really because we need we need shooting right. Like our, for whatever reason, our shooting we can't get get that to to do what it needs to do um i know it's more of a trade but the move that they tried to make to get um um off the pistons i'm blanking on his name right now but i'd love to try oh luke canard luke canard yeah Mm -hmm. um i wouldn't hate that move like those are all moves kind of to get that shooting guard role um the center's a little bit trickier i don't maybe we take the flyer on demarcus cousins you know he's out there. He's going to be trying to prove himself, but that, at the same that, time, I, I feel would, like he'd still try to go with a contender. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. There, that, that would be intriguing, though. That, that wouldn't be a bad guy to uh, have take. Excuse me. That wouldn't be a bad guy for Aiton to kind of fall under his wings and get a little outside of you know, kind of like the, kind of the craziness, but at least the the edge, the toughness, the Swagger, the attitude. So, yeah. What about Bismack Biombo? I haven't thought about him in any way, shape, or form about potentially being with the Suns. Um, but, I mean, a guy that is playing close to 20 minutes a game as it is right now can give some serviceable time at the backup. I mean, there'll be an upgrade over Sheck um, or... He's know. a different play, definitely different, different player, player than Baines, Baines. Yeah, but he does still bring. Play. He is a pretty decent. My re- recollection of him, I haven't been following his game, but he's a pretty decent defender. Like that's kind of what he, he was more of a defensive big than he was a uh, um, right. You know, like a scoring big. Right. So ha- having that there, um, your boy Kelly Olynyk. You know, because well, he went to Xavier. Excuse me, I don't know why I said Caesar. <laughs> Gonzaga. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you want to bring back Baines? You like, know, like if 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 the price is right, what would sure. You and I guess I guess it depends though. So so here's like, like I said, I, I I love the idea of Christian Wood. Um, he's a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of a track record in the NBA. Uh, I think you pointed out before that he played on like five teams, was out of the league, you know, a couple years ago. But obviously, has shown a lot up in Detroit this year. Um, it depends on what you know he might demand. I mean, based on his performance, you could see him getting you know into the twelve to fifteen million dollar range. But with the lack of track record, maybe he's going to come up, come out a little bit cheaper. Um, and I, I I like the idea of Joe Harris. I think adding a shooter like that would be great. He's he's 
making, I think, $8 million this year. He's probably going to get paid a fair amount more than that this upcoming offseason. Mm-hmm. So it kind of depends how they're able to, you know, allocate that money. Um, you know, I had talked about before he was released by Detroit and picked up by the Clippers, Reggie Jackson, who I think is, I think he's unrestricted this offseason. Um, he'd be an intriguing guy to bring in because I, I, I see where you're coming from in terms of the shooting guard and center position. I, I I look at it from more of a we're we're trending towards a positional NBA type right. thing. I want to see a guy that's going to be able to you know, which is one reason why Christian Wood comes to mind for me because he can really play pretty much across the board in the front court. You know, in his in his year at Detroit, he's played forty five percent of his time at center, fifty five percent of his time at power forward. I think he has the versatility to, if needed, put some spot minutes in at the three as well, and then. Looking at you know the the backcourt position, I'm less concerned about the shooting guard spot than you are, only because I think we have enough wings when healthy that they can interchange and that 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 role can be filled. I'm more interested in seeing somebody coming off the bench who's going to be able to operate you know the offense to yeah, control I, the offense I, to I, fill I agree a Rubio that. I mean, I role. I think Jerome has potential there, like what what he did at Virginia, sure. like if he can if he can get to that. So like, there's a little bit of kind of, um, assuming he'll take, make a, not a, not a leap, but like a progression, um, going into next year, particularly cause you know, he had the, he had the injuries at the beginning of the year, kind of set him back a little bit. Um, but if he, cause like either way, whatever that backcourt position is, whether it's a, uh, point guard, whether it's a, a shooting guard, whether it's a combo guard, whoever that is that comes in, I really feel like that player, he needs to be a dynamic scorer. I mean, running the offense is great. The problem is we've got the guys we have currently on the team in that backcourt. Like we're playing three point guard. Like when we play like an almost like a complete bench unit, that's usually a three point guard lineup. Mm-hmm. With the tallest one of them, I think, being Ty Jerome. Mm-hmm. That's not a successful um, you know, trajectory. Right. And, and I, I get the idea of a, a dynamic score, but I think part of the problem with what we have bench-wise right now, and, and I think that you can address the scoring issue off the bench without necessarily having a quote-unquote dynamic score, but instead having guys who are more capable of scoring and putting them in a group with a guy who's capable of operating an offense that'll give them the opportunity to score, which is why, you know, pull, bring in a guy who can score in and out like Christian Wood, or bring in a shooter like Joe Harris or or Davis Bertans, uh, and and complementing them with somebody who can actually operate the offense. And if we're assuming Cam is coming off the bench as well, then you're looking at okay, a Second unit that's going to include when Rubio's not on the floor, somebody who can run the offense, who can find the open guy, who can operate the system, and then guys around him who maybe not being dynamic scorers, but can score the ball better than what the Suns have right now. You know, like we talked about before, we've got this core, we've got this starting lineup that we all love, right? Right. Now it's a matter of getting the pieces that can fall into place behind it to fill those 20 to 24 minutes a game where 
there's not going to be a huge fall off when you take out two, three of the starters, four of the starters, and have you know a a group out there that's made mostly of bench players. So I feel like we haven't really answered any question at all. We've just thrown no, we've just names. thrown in a whole bunch this? of names. How about this? If you could have from in realistic. Oh, you know who I forgot to mention? Jeff Teague. Yeah, he's an interesting guy because looking at somebody who has the ability to run an offense, he's getting paid a boatload right now, but he's not exactly living up to that contract, if you will. It'll be interesting to see what he fetches on the market this offseason, especially when you take into account the fact that there aren't a ton of teams that are going to have a bunch of space to make moves. Right. I mean, another another option is we can go round three on uh, the Dragon. I Hey, you know what? Homecoming? I'm, I'm all yeah, for that. I mean, I think... I think, I think to a T, Suns fans have forgiven Dragic for the way he left. I don't, I don't know anybody who begrudged him that situation. Well, and I think at the time they did, but mm-hmm. let's let's remember that that all got buried. You know, he he went on the record saying that he talked to McDonough about all of that, yeah, and they set everything straight. They're good. If he's good with the organization, then I'm good with him. Yeah. Um, but let's let's do it like this. Instead of just rambling off more names. Yes. So I can, let's I say, can ramble off the whole league. <laughs> let's say again, we're not we're no cap experts. We're no we're not experts at valuing what players are. We can certainly put our own values on them based on their performance and what other players of of like ability get paid. But we'll we'll ballpark it. Okay. Let's say the Suns have twenty five million. Why don't you give me three Two or three free agents that you would say, if I was going to take up a chunk of that, because obviously you have to pay other guys to fill out a roster, but I have two targets that I really want to go at that I think I can fit under that $25 million. Who are they? I mean, I do like the I do like what you have convinced me a little bit on Christian Wood. Um, but I, I don't have to convince you, man. Just watch him and look okay. at the stats. That should convince you. Um, I'm definitely a fan of, uh, Bertans. I think he, he also brings a lot of kind of <laughs> similar things. And, um, the question is how much will we have to pay for Bertans? That's like a mm-hmm. whole nother question. And cause I don't even know how much he's making right now. I'm having trouble finding him on the, uh, free agent list at the moment. He is currently making seven and a quarter. Okay. Yeah. So. He's definitely outplayed that, so he would. You said you said twenty five, right? Yeah, he'd probably have to eat up half of that. Mm-hmm. Probably at, and that might not even be enough to steal him away from Washington, because they do have bird rights. And right. They could they could exceed that to get him if they would. I mean, he is unrestricted, so it's not like they have matching rights. Right. But, um. Would he want to leave? Um. So that that's one name. Um, I actually do like Jordan Clarkson or Jeff Teague. Um, Jeff Teague more so from the standpoint of like the guy who can really run the offense and has the experience to kind of settle the team down. Um, it would be funny to bring in uh, Rubio's replacement uh, in Minnesota as now Rubio's backup. <laughs> um, and uh, 
or Jordan Clarkson kind of different reasons. That's more from the standpoint of like getting that guy. So to your point of like having somebody who's like more of a floor general who can get everybody in their positions, which is great. But what we don't have, like what we don't have on that bench unit is that guy who like, not that whether or not he's dynamic or not, but a guy who can is, can get a bucket when needed. Like, all the guys we ha- we have had on our bench are guys who um, can score if set up or if in, like, the perfect situation. We don't have the guy who can just – we don't have – we don't have a Jamal Crawford – like, what's good about a Jamal Crawford. Right. Or, like, even, like, an Isaiah – what was good about Isaiah Thomas or um, – those kind of guys, like there aren't that many in the league, at least that aren't locked. That are there's not. I don't really know if there's anybody there, truly anybody who's a free agent who kind of falls into that category of like that microwave score, um, like off like first guy off the bench to just go crazy, crazy. You okay over there? I'm yeah, I'm okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well. You know, and uh, to to add my two cents, I don't, I won't go more into Christian Wood. I, I I love the idea of Christian Wood. If I'm looking at a potential backup point guard, which is what I'm looking at, who can run an offense, who is going to be reasonably priced, I think, and maybe allow a little bit of flexibility in terms of picking up somebody else that is you know more than just end of bench filler. Um, the, the name that comes to mind for me is, uh, DJ Augustin. <coughs> sure. He's a little bit older. I think he's what? 31, 32, somewhere in is there. Is he only that young? Like, I feel like uh, he's been in the league forever. He has. Yeah. He's 32. Um, so he's, he's been in the league for 12 years, so he's up there, but you know, he's still right now with the magic playing 25 minutes a game and, you know, still, I, I, I think I feel like DJ Augustine has been, I mean, I get DJ Augustine and like Jameer Nelson. I'm like, they're the same person <laughs> just cause they both played for the magic or <laughs> no, no. Well, actually that's p- kind of part of it. Cause like DJ Augustine kind of replaced Jameer Nelson, but right. they're kind of this stocky, like kind of just like journeyman point guard. Yeah. Who- and, and, and that's kind of what I'm looking for. If I'm, if I'm going into the free agent market, looking for a point guard, because Again, you've already got as much money as you have tied up in Ricky Rubio. You're not going to want to spend an equal amount on on his backup. Um, and I think Augustine would certainly be better than what we have out there right now, um, and and can provide those those kind of spot minutes, if you will. Um, and and if Wood were to come in and be somebody who can perhaps be had for a little bit less than you would normally get a player who's putting up the numbers that he is simply because he doesn't have that track record, then maybe you still find yourself with enough space to look at a Joe Harris or look at a Davis Bertons uh, and bring them in uh, as, as well. Bertons maybe, both of those might be a stretch because you might be pushing the envelope there. But then we've got, you know, like the mid-level exception that maybe you could use on Augustine and then use the rest of the money elsewhere. Well, you know I don't know saying? if you can use the mid-level. I'm just throwing you, shit out there, Paul. Well, I'm just saying like there's a room exception because if you come into, if you come into the offseason under the cap, you don't get the mid-level exception too. 
the middle of an exception is only for those who are coming into the offseason okay. over the cap. But there is like a room ex- – I think there's something called – I believe it's called a room exception that if you get within a certain – um, you know, you can slightly go over the cap. At a, it's, not, it's not as big as the mid-level. Right, and – According to HoopsRumors.com, the room exception for 2021 is going to be about just shade over $5 million. So, anyway, okay, well, I think that's enough for our far, far, far too early Far, far, far too early, yeah. Um, We'll delve into it more as we get close to the end of the season. I've unfortunately finally started looking at draft stuff. I I hadn't done that until about this week, Um, but, but here I am. Tyler Halliburton, just for the name. Ty- Tyler. Tyrese. We don't need another Tyler Tyrese. on the team. Tyrese Halliburton, just for the name and the shooting and passing and defense and size. But yeah, just throwing that out there. Okay. Little teaser. All right. So we'll wrap this episode of Fanning the Flames. You can find me on Twitter. So says Jay, Paul. At Dervish World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. The Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network can be found on brightsideofthesun.com and all of your podcasting platforms. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. So long, farewell, alvidezen, edgy, 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 to you, a you, a you.